Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my anxious chickens. I hope that you all are getting better at managing your minds and learning how to deal with your anxiety during this time. I think one of the amazing things about being human is that humans are so adaptable, most of us, right? Like the things that we get used to and the things that we live with are just run the gamut all over the world in our personal lives, in our professional lives, in our kind of global lives. And so I just always think about how resilient humans are. You know, civilizations have risen and fallen. Even in our own personal lives, we get used to things that we thought we never could get used to, you know, positive or negative sometimes. But even after, you know, the first week or two of shock, we very quickly, I think humans just get used to a new normal. And so knowing that and knowing that life is 50-50, right? You're going to have positive and negative emotion no matter what. Your brain is going to create moments of joy and connection and fun, and your brain's going to create moments of anxiety and fear and sadness, whether there's a pandemic or not, just really helps me remember that I can adapt to anything and I can find the meaning and the will to make the best of whatever situation I'm in. And that's what I really wanted this podcast series to help all of you do too, because it's not something that comes naturally to me at all. (laughs) I was raised by neurotic Jews. (laughs) I am not like temperamentally, naturally happy-go-lucky. I'm still not happy-go-lucky. I'm going to ask my boyfriend. I'm sure he would agree after a lot of thought work. But this uh, the emotional resilience, the ability to cope when things aren't going the way I want or to deal with my own negative emotion, to know that I can handle whatever's happening that is a skill that I have built myself through doing thought work, through learning to coach myself, through getting coached. And so what I really wanted for, for this podcast series was to give you all a little taste of that. And we're about two-thirds of the way through now, or maybe even a little bit more. And so I hope that you have been practicing what I have been teaching. I'm not trying to do the math in my head about what episode number this is and where we are. We're going to 11, I think. So whatever number this is, whatever fraction this is of 11. Anyway. All right. So today I want to talk about health anxiety because obviously something that's coming up for a lot of people right now. And I feel like a broken record, but I just think it's so important to remember. Like anything else, if you used to have anxious thoughts about your health, you probably have more now. And if you didn't used to worry about your health, you probably aren't super worried about it now. And I see that even in my own kind of family and friends and myself, like I actually rarely get sick. And yet, because I have a history of chronic pain or just being (laughs) raised by doctors, like I have thoughts about my own physical health, not uncommonly. And so, of course, those are activated right now. And meanwhile, there are people in my life who actually get sick way more than I do and who seem to have less hardy immune systems maybe who are not worried at all because their thinking about their own health is just not particularly negative. So whatever your patterns were before this are the base that you're operating from, right? 
And I think that one of the reasons that health anxiety is so challenging for a lot of us, and this pandemic is bringing it up so much, is that it's really illuminating what was always true for us, which is that we're all going to die at some point, right? We are very disconnected from our own mortality, most of us, especially the way that we live in modern life where children aren't often told about death, don't see death, right? We It tends to be sanitized and kind of kept away, and we don't really talk about it in our culture, and we don't really Many of us don't have like rituals for it the way people used to. So I just think like we know that we're sort of a mortality phobic culture, right? And we sort of old people are more isolated. They're not as part of daily life for younger people as they are in other cultures. We just are more removed from the true cycle of life, which is the progression from birth to death and from youth to, if we're lucky, age. And we're not always that lucky, right? And so this pandemic is really kind of shaking our illusion that we have control of our own mortality, that absent a particular, it's like we all know that particular kinds of catastrophe could always strike, could be in a car accident, you could get cancer out of nowhere, you could like, it's like we believe that we understand the risks out there. And then it turns out that there's this new risk that we don't know about And all of a sudden, everything feels completely destabilized because we were operating under this illusion that we knew what bad things could happen and which we needed to worry about. And because it's a physical illness that we don't know that much about and that can be fatal, I think we are all being called to come to grips with our true lack of control over our own mortality and our own health. And I think health in particular can be so anxious for us because we want to believe that we can control our bodies. And we live in a society that really emphasizes the idea that we can and should be able to control our bodies, right? It's like you probably didn't think there was a link between diet culture and the pandemic, (laughs) but there totally is. And it's not just all the memes about how people might gain weight in quarantine, God forbid, like that's the most important thing in the world. But diet culture is completely infused with the idea that our bodies are just these malleable objects that we can control at will, right? And we live in a kind of health-obsessed culture where we are always being marketed and sold supplements and vitamins and, you know, nutraceuticals and all sorts of things that we're supposed to be able to use to prevent illness, stave off death, be perfectly healthy, all under our control, right? And that gives us a false sense of control, which is reassuring while we have it, right? The illusion gives us a benefit. That's why we buy into it. But now we are being called to be present with the truth, which is that we can't 100% control our bodies. They're not totally under our control. And I think it's really almost highlighting like the relationship between body and mind and how we live in our bodies, but we are not just our bodies. And when we think of them as these objects we need to control, we create a lot of anxiety, whether we're thinking about our weight or thinking about trying not to contract a virus. Either way, whenever we are trying to control something we can't totally control, we will feel anxious and we will feel panicked and freaked out. That's just the way of the brain. Anytime you try to control something you can't control, you will feel insane. And that's what's happening a lot with people's health and mortality thinking right now. And of course, your brain is completely complicit in this because the primitive part of your brain exists just to keep you alive. So 
as I talked about in like the very first episode, it's getting a constant stream of information that you might be physically in danger. So it's freaking out all the time, right? And then a lot of us are trying to use our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that can reason, to like engage in the same premise and reassure ourselves, like to either take a bunch of action to control not getting sick and believe that we can have total control over it, or to kind of try to reassure ourselves or argue with ourselves that we probably will be fine, right? We're sort of doing all of these logical kind of dances and jumping around and all to avoid facing the truth, which is that we don't have total control of our bodies, right? We never know what is going to, in the end, end our lives, but we all know that that's going to happen, right? The only thing you're guaranteed is birth and then death. And our kind of refusal to acknowledge that and accept that and accept our lack of ultimate control over when we live or die or when our loved ones live or die is what's at the root of all of this health anxiety, I think. And so believing that we can control it and we should be able to control it is what makes it so much more painful. I'm not saying, again, like that there wouldn't be any fear or anxiety without that, but it's the difference between pain and suffering, right? Several Buddhist traditions teach pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. But what that means is that negative emotion is inevitable. It's normal, right, to want to be alive. It's normal to feel fear of death or to feel sadness about the prospect of being sick or dying or someone you love being sick or dying. It's a normal part of the human experience. But when we resist that and we think it shouldn't be there and we think that we can somehow outrun it or get away from it or that we don't have to ever have those emotions and so we try to prevent them, that's the suffering, right? That is the drama on top of our emotions. It's our thoughts and feelings about our emotions and our trying to get away from our emotions that cause so much suffering. Now, again, I've talked quite a bit in the limited series and on the podcast as a whole about how deciding to accept that you are mortal, which is true, and that you can't 100% control what your life looks like or how long you have or who's going to get sick or who's not, doesn't mean that you don't make decisions based on trying to mitigate risks to the extent that you can. But there's a huge emotional difference between I'm going to try to do what I can based on my current understanding to keep myself safer than if I did nothing but I know that those are just my best guesses and that I'm not in control ultimately of what happens. That will feel completely different than if I just do everything perfectly and do it all right, I can make sure that I never get sick and I never die and I'm never scared and I'm never afraid and I don't have any negative emotion ever, <laughs> right? One of those will feel very frantic and agitated and one of those is gonna feel really peaceful and grounding and real in touch with the eternal truth which is that we don't have complete control over our bodies, over illness, over life and death for ourselves or anyone else. So that's the big picture. In terms of techniques you can use to deal with some of the health-related anxiety, don't skip that first 10 minutes. <laughs> you actually have to constantly go back to that deeper truth. But I do have some smaller kind of hacks you can use. They only work if you've accepted the bigger truth. Again, don't try to skip that part, okay? But so here's what will happen. If you don't accept that bigger truth, you're going to be anxious and ruminating constantly. If you do accept that bigger truth, you really do the work on that, you will have many more moments of being calmer and more peaceful. And then sometimes you will have a spike of like rumination or freaking out. And that's when you can use some of these other techniques. That makes sense. So if you don't do the work on that essential premise about our own mortality and lack of control, you will just feel crazy all the time. And these other techniques are not going to help. 
But when you have done that, it's more like you'll just occasionally lose your mind. And that's when these techniques can help. So one of the things that I'm seeing in my own brain, in my client's brain, is a lot of hypervigilance about physical sensation right now because our primitive brain has basically been told, like, there's a threat that you can't see. And the only way to know is if you start to feel a certain thing. So we just got to be – so then your brain's like, okay, as opposed to, like, scanning the savanna for a lion, I'm going to scan my body constantly to look for the danger. And I found that my body and mind were, because of that hypervigilance, giving me just constant updated feedback about how I felt, right? Because just like you, my brain was like, okay, the danger is that I might get sick. So let me just make sure she knows like every time I feel anything in my lungs when I breathe or anytime my throat feels a little dry or anytime that I feel a little tired, I was just getting this constant feedback. And so what I decided to do was practice saying to my brain and my body, hey, thank you. You'd be shocked how often it works to just say to your brain, thank you for letting me know. I see why you thought that was important, (laughs) right? It's like letting your brain know you heard it. So I just think, thanks for letting me know, but I don't need minute-by-minute updates. Nothing is going to change dramatically in two hours, right? I don't need to know every sensation I'm having every second. I'll check in with my body, you know, at 5 p.m. and see how I feel then. And that was actually super effective and helpful for me. It just like let my brain know, okay, I hear you. I know you're scanning. Thank you. Like I hear you. But we actually don't need – that's not actually relevant information. It's like your brain thinks it's relevant information and it's bringing it to you, right? Your brain's like, okay, you told me there was a danger. Look, I'm finding all the indications and I'm bringing them to you. And just like if you had like an employee who was well-intentioned but, you know, telling you stuff you didn't need to know, you just have to be like, oh, no, no, we don't need all that information. It's okay. Right? And by telling your brain, listen, I'm going to check in in two hours or whatever it is, you're sort of letting it know like you're in charge, you're paying attention, it's safe, it doesn't need to be quite so hypervigilant. So that's one of the things I have found very helpful. The other technique that I'm finding really helpful for myself and my clients in this time is what I call yes and thoughts. So (laughs) if you have ever lived in New York, like I have and been in your 20s, you have for sure had to go to numerous horrible improv shows that your friends were in. (laughs) And you will have learned that the number one rule of improv is that you always say yes and, right? So somebody says something like, there's a giraffe in the room. And you can't be like, no, there's no giraffe. You just have to say yes and, yes and the giraffe wants to see your driver's license, right, or whatever it is. So when you're having thoughts that, especially if they're sort of thoughts that are clearly true, they're circum- potential circumstances, or or at least your brain is very convinced that they're true and you can't see a way around them, or they're very factual already, you've sort of already tried to, let's say you had a negative thought and you've like neutralized it, like I talked about in the second episode of this series, you've come up with a neutral thought, but it's still, it's a little better, it's a little more neutral, but it's still a thought that is causing some negative emotion for you that's not helpful, you can yes and the thought. So for instance, if your thought is, I might contract COVID-19 and that thought makes you feel very anxious, you don't have to push away or resist that thought. It probably won't work to tell yourself, no, I definitely won't. Because again, what is this whole premise been? That's not something you can completely control, right? But you can yes and it. So you can think when you hear your brain saying, well, I might get it. You can think, yes, and I know my body has healed itself before. Or yes, and 
the vast majority of cases are mild and most people recover. Or yes, and I trust my body to be able to handle whatever happens. Or yes, and I know that I'll be able to take care of myself and know what to do when the time comes. Right? You're basically allowing that original thought that's causing the negative emotion. You're not trying to reject it. You're not trying to tell yourself it's not true. And you may not be ready yet to just swap in a more positive thought, but you can attach them together. It's like you like the little attachments between trains, right? You can like hook up another train car, hook up a caboose to that train car so that you are quickly thinking something else. Now, it's not about, again, like shoving away that thought or not thinking that first thought or trying to get away from it. It's just reminding yourself like that's not the only thing that's true, right? That's not the only thought I could have. Yes, there's this and there's this, right? So yes, and. Or if your negative thoughts are about having lost your job, you know, and the economic changes might be if you're having the repeating thought of, well, I don't have enough money in my bank account now for what my bills are or whatever it is, right? Or I'm worried I won't be able to make more money or whatever your thoughts are. Again, you can yes and it, right? So I would try to get the more neutral circumstance of like, this is the amount of money in my bank account, right? That's That's what would be like the true fact. And yes, that's true. And I've gotten through tough times before, and I know I'll figure out what to do. Or yes, this is the amount of money in my bank account, and I'm lucky I have a support network, and I know that I have people who would be willing to help me, right? Or yes, and I know that I've figured out my financial situation before. I know I have a lot of talents and skills. If I turn my mind to it, I'll be able to figure something out, right? So again, you're not pushing away that fact. You're not rejecting it. You're just adding to it. Yes, and right? And I'm finding especially right now when we're having just, I think part of what's going on right now is even though all the things that we are thinking or that we are now experiencing, like the circumstances have always been, if not this exact circumstance, it's always been true that we couldn't control everything that was happening. We don't always know what's coming. We can't control our life and death, right? Those have always been true, but we're just having circumstances that trigger many more thoughts (laughs) to deal with on a daily basis. And because it's happening to everyone, it's reflected everywhere around you in the news, on social media, whoever you're quarantined with may be talking about it, right? So I think we're just having like a – it's like the quantity dial has been turned up. We're just having way more of these thoughts on a daily basis and everyone around us is also, which means that there's a lot of thought work to do, which is a wonderful opportunity. But it also means it's a good time to use something like yes and where – You just allow that first thought to be there, but then you add on something else so that you don't just stay myopically focused on that first thought. My teacher is always saying, of all the thoughts in the world, you could pick anything you want. Why are you picking that thought? And in this situation, okay, maybe you're still going to think that first thought, but it just reminds you there's so many other thoughts that you could be thinking about anything in the world. Like any thought is available to you. This is what's so wild. No one can be in charge of what you think except for you. If you want to think a wildly pessimistic, terrible thought, you can and no one can stop you. But if you want to think a wildly optimistic, positive thought, no one can stop you. You're allowed to. You can think whatever you want. So out of the whole universe of possible things to think, you want to remind your brain that what it just happens to have come up with that feels terrible is are not the only options. And the yes and really helps with that in my experience with my own brain and working with my clients. 
So that's basically three tools. The first one is the the ER tool, the meta tool, right? Of acknowledging our lack of control over our physical bodies and of our health, giving up the illusion that we were ever in charge of and could completely control those things. And then once you've done that kind of foundational work, the sort of conversation with your brain about its hypervigilance and thanking it for what it's been trying to do to help you, but then giving it some structure like a child, right? We're going to check in at five about this. We'll have a meeting about it tomorrow. I don't need any updates until then, right? Kind of running the room, being in charge, setting the agenda for your hypervigilant, anxious brain, and then using yes and thoughts. Those are kind of three tools that you can use in a whole variety of circumstances and a whole variety of types of thought patterns, but that I think can be particularly helpful for anxiety and worry about your physical health right now. All right, chickens, I hope that was helpful and I will talk to you soon. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is my feminist coaching community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying all these concepts I teach to your own life and learning how to do thought work to blow your own mind. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will change your life even more. It's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change everything. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we'll text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know about The Clutch. 347-934-8861. Or again, just go online to www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash The Clutch. I cannot wait to see you there.